Welcome to the Meaningful Work Podcast Fireside Chat, a more relaxed, deep conversation with this week's guest. So grab a coffee, a cigar, or whatever gives you the feels and get ready to laugh and learn. Here's your host, Josh Snyder. Welcome to the Fireside Chat. That's the only thing that I know has to happen in this part is that I have to get real close to the microphone and say, Welcome to the Fireside Chat. Um, I would love for you to to talk a little bit more because I think you said something that is maybe like the apex of, I don't want to say like the apex of my learning. It's like the apex of my experience right now is how a soft or subtle or small change adjustment I know some people are having visceral reactions to the word pivot, um, but in the midst of, con- in how you said it was like um, w- done with consistency or done with like, basically like it's implemented into your life because mm-hmm. my whole life I have gone, tried to go as fast as possible, which speed is valuable. But it's like, I, I told my wife, I think a couple weeks ago, I said, if I followed the end of the rainbow, and found a pot of gold, I would look at it and say, sweet. And then I would immediately start trying to go find a bigger pot of gold. And, and th- this is the season of life that I'm in. And it's, it, it hurts, but it's beautiful because I'm realizing, what could I do with that first pot of gold? What could I accomplish? What could I change? And I'm, you know, I'm mixing metaphors, if you will, but, um, I'd love Robert to hear Kiyosaki, I mean, Robert Kiyosaki would say that the, the whole, um, the whole point of the process would be to, 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 uh, employ that gold to help you find the second pot that so many people work for their money instead of having their money work for them. And it's easier said than done, you know, because most folks don't tell you how to get started. Most stories, in fact, if you go and, and look at, and this is my beef for the longest time with a lot of books. Uh, one exception, The Automatic Millionaire by David Bach. Incredible book. But most of these books about finance and growth and, and um, you know, I just read Sam Zell, who's a, a, a world-renowned uh, financial wizard, and, and his, was, his was pretty good. Um, most of them skip that beginning part. You know, it's kind of like if you're religious and you look at the Bible, like all of a sudden Jesus went from a newborn to 30. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What happened in between? So many of these financial books, they're like, you know, I got out of college and I made a few decisions, but then I made the one that, you know, changed my life five years after I got out. Well, what the happened in the four years? Yes. That's what I want to know because that's where most people that's, find themselves when they're looking yes. for help. Yeah. We were watching the, the Michael Jordan, uh, The Last Dance, and it was like something. And then it was like, oh, and three years later, we, and I'm like, hold on, hold on. When you, Oh, it was when Phil Jackson was going to be the coach and he was coaching in Puerto Rico and then in Albany, New York. And then he got brought in to interview for assistant job with the bulls coach didn't like how he dressed, said, no, thanks. And they're like, and then three years later, I want him to come in for another interview. And you're like, hold on. Mm. What kept Phil Jackson engaged for three years when his moment of breakthrough was there it didn't materialize that's that that story is what made phil jackson who he is today yeah what do you do along the way what do you do when 
what do you do when you're getting ready to launch the company or you're getting ready to buy the franchise and then your heater blows? And now, you know, you save, you had $10,000 saved up to, to buy in on that franchise and now you got to spend five. What do you do? What does that look like? Folks don't talk about that because unfortunately, the, the, the simple truth in most cases is that it's just hard effing work. Yeah. It's just a lot of the, you know, you, you used NBA as a great example. NBA players only spend 10% of their professional career in front of an audience. Mm. All the other work that they do is unseen. Mm. And yet our culture, when I talked about small goals versus big goals, our culture celebrates these overnight success stories. I'm listening to uh, Mark Randolph's book on um, uh, uh, Netflix, right? It's Mark Randolph, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting fact, Mark Randolph is the great-grandson of, um, oh, come on, come on, Edward Bernays. Uh, in fact, his middle name, oh. B, is Bernays Randolph. And Edward Bernays, as you may or may not know, was related to Sigmund Freud. I think he was his second cousin. Huh. Edward Bernays is the father of modern public relations. Um, in fact, a lot of, uh, uh, not to get political, a lot of Trump's playbook comes right out of some of Edward Bernays's, um, you know, thoughts about how to get your huh. audience to see your side of you, how to, how to, how to move the, the conversation forward. And um, Mark Randolph says that a lot of his success he owes to, um, to, to being exposed to that kind of knowledge. So how the heck did we get here? Uh, oh, listening to it. Um, he, he, he touches on some of the car conversations that he had with, um, uh, Reed Hastings, right? The other, the other co-founder of Netflix. Yeah. But that I think is where the magic lies. It, in those car conversations, he talks about, you know, this is how I approached the initial deal where we almost merged with Amazon. We haven't gotten to the blockbuster chapters yet. But um, uh, it's really fascinating to, to, mm -hmm. to read these autobiographies and, and, you know, how much of the tough stuff is glossed over. If you listen to Ray Dalio's talk with Ted uh, recently, the, the, the Ted organization, um, good God, I've never heard someone speak in more generalities in my entire life. I mean, the man is having conversations with presidents of every major country. You can, he is one of the, I think, top power players in the world. And I mean, all it is is generalities. Like, yeah, it's kind of inspiring to hear you say you think there's a path forward, but but what? Get specific. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, you know, and there are those who would say that these are the things that uh, that they would do, but then, you know, there's the other side, and when they don't do that, well, well then you see what we have now, and it's just simply, a, what did you just say? <laughs> I didn't, come on. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I'm not the dumbest, and I didn't understand right. you. Right. So I'm sorry for cursing. I know I probably shouldn't do that. Um, it's okay. I'm sure we can... We can do yeah, some, the bleep uh, TN, the, some TNT dubbing. The bleep button is, is my favorite. Maybe you've got one that's like, I, like I had this. I actually thought today was uh, uh, May 4th. So it's, uh, I don't know if you can hear that. Is that loud enough to hear? It is. Yeah. So it's like my little R2D2. Uh, whenever I have something that I don't want to do, this has numbers on it. So it's like a die. It's from a Star Wars Trivial Pursuit game. So if I don't want to make calls anymore, I hit this. And it'll tell me eight, nine, ten, how many calls more I have to make. So it's a little random choice, but it sort of pushes me to do a little more prospecting work. So. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, God, I sort of went down a rabbit hole there. I'm not even sure what we're talking about That's anymore. That's the point of the fireside <laughs> chat. If we were having a couple of drinks together, it, we wouldn't care. Yeah. Um, 
by the way, uh, the, let's talk about abortion. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks again, Greg, for being on the show. <laughs> <laughs> drinking, drinking invariably leads to sex, politics, money, or you know, it's, it's, it's always it's always a challenge. <laughs> uh, um, that was the last time Greg was ever on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> how many how many podcast episodes do you have? Well, I have a hundred and one, but I've only published a hundred. <laughs> um yeah man it's the whole story that's how we got here we're talking about michael jordan we're talking about the whole story it's and i think like it's those decisions they're not sexy and because they're not sexy they don't i was gonna say they don't sell you know we're i feel like we're trying to avoid cliches but it's it's it is that big splash that you want, but in and I'm not even going down the like, uh, you know, dude. 20, here's why it is. Twenty years why it is. overnight success, but let's go back to Edward Bernays. The world is built. In fact, there's an awesome article uh, that just came out. It's a follow up to the first one, which is prepare for the ultimate gaslighting. I think I shared that with you and Ryan. Huh. Uh, which, by the way, is Ryan in your intro? I thought I heard an Aussie voice there. So I, uh, I just used his to give, I just usually use the, whatever the last one is. So he's not like oh, okay, on the okay, intro, okay. but that's, that's how I, I like, I like podcasts when you can hear the guest right away who try and come up with the, you know, the best thing you've said right off the get, then it's got the welcome to the meaningful work podcast. And then oh, it's I got me yeah, that's now cool. the interview. I, you know, it definitely takes a little bit more time and money to like find the right fit, uh, you know, of what you said and and then match. Dear God, I can't tell you how Leah, who's who will be listening to this. Thank you for finding because you got to loop the music for the intro. Mm. And I'm sure, you know, for somebody who's in audio, it's not a big deal. But when you're trying to kind of figure it out a little bit. Because it's like your intro might be nine seconds and his might be 13 seconds. Mm-hmm anyways and then it was like i found this one song and the highs were too high anyway anyways you sent an article so i sent this article to you about the ultimate gaslighting and here's why those books don't sell here's why they don't write because you and i are conditioned by advertising that there's a quick fix for anything don't feel good go buy a jaguar don't actually (laughs) feel good pop a pill don't feel good about yourself Here's AshleyMadison.com. Find someone who will make you feel good about yourself. Yeah. I mean, the world is, is um, the economy is built on selling yeah. these quick fixes. And so, you know, even as, as speakers, as facilitators, you know, I'm often asked the question, so, uh, you know, so, so what's going to be the tangible result? And really all I can promise is that I hope people will think differently. If you walk out thinking differently, that's a great first start. But uh, as Zig Ziglar once said, uh, motivation isn't permanent, but neither is bathing. Yes. And and I think there's even a, there's a deeper, there's the initial take of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, having listened to your experience, having even known what I've gone through, and, and as I've, I've, I'm sure I've said on other episodes, but even an individual who's working at McDonald's for 35 hours a week is working hard. And so harder than most of us, let's yes. be honest. Like it's, it's so fascinating to me. And so 
when you when you want to uh, Gary V for years inspired me with macro patience micro speed and I mm. don't know how I got to be so patient how I mean honestly there was when I started the when I started the business I would spend Didn't you say hours, you have a son? Uh yes I do. So I think that's where the patience probably comes from. Well, he's <laughs> <a> one. Father. <laughs> I've got three, three under six or three at five and under. I'm not sure how that works. Three under five. And look sounds... at that hair. Yet with all of that stress, you have this beautifully coiffed head of hair, my friend. Because I've not gotten impressed. my haircut in 10 weeks. <laughs> this is the longest I've not gotten my haircut in five years, at least. It looks good. Some people look like they're, you know, in like an Al Qaeda hostage video, but you, uh, you look pretty good, brother. Well, thank you. I mean, uh, thank you. We don't need to go. Um, <laughs> like I expected to be holding up a copy of today's USA today. Like, yes, yes. And I'm supposed to get some virtual headshots. And part of me was like, ah, your hair. And then I was like, well, it honestly is doing okay. And I don't know how much longer I actually saw like two and a half hours for me, a dude broke the law and opened up and I was like, sold. Like <laughs> I'll, I'll take tomorrow morning. <laughs> Cause I'm going to need more than one haircut. I'm going to need you to do it. And I'm going to need you to do it again, just for the sake of anyways. Um, <laughs> this seems like a great time for the Floby to make a comeback, Josh. You remember that? The Floby was a product. It was a hair product in the in the 80s that was effectively clippers attached to a suction vacuum cleaner. And so the there's tons of great YouTube videos about it. But it basically looks like, you know, the attachment when you go to the car wash for the vacuum that oh, they have you vacuum your front seat with? Yeah. It's basically that with clippers inside of it. So you could grab the hair, you could kind of basically stand it up, cut it, you know, a no muss, no fuss haircut, if you will. This seems, this quarantine seems like the ideal time for that product to make a comeback. I'm and I would like to be your spokesperson, Floby. Uh, you can't see me on this podcast, but I have no hair. And so I think I make the appropriate salesperson uh, for Hold on. a haircutting product. Hold on. <laughs> this, uh, so Floby has dropped their 30-day money-back guarantee at this time because of COVID-19. They expect delays, and there is an anti-profiteering warning on their website, meaning that this $140 self-haircutting system. Well, you got to go on eBay now to really see. Is selling out. Oh my gosh. We've got the last Floby on the planet. $4,000. Floby. Okay. Before we get too far off track, I used one for 76, brand new 205. Wow. Gosh. Wow. This is unbelievable. And that probably doesn't even include shipping. I got to order one just because I got it. Josh, that's a whole week's worth of content right there is oh is gosh. is videos while you're flobying. Is that a books, verb? Do you think flobying? Whoever books the next virtual keynote, I will do I will cut my hair with a floby <laughs> <laughs> for for your conference attendee invite video. <laughs> okay. Um final five minutes. Okay. 
what what I mean dueling piano I I just I want to know more I don't have a specific question I want to know more so I was in wedding bands and a karaoke DJ throughout college and didn't really know what to do with myself my musical uh, studies was centered around percussion actually so I played piano as a young child and then about the sixth grade was tired of being teased by kids on the bus carrying a keyboard to and from school every two days uh, for lessons. And I said to my parents, I really want to play the trumpet. Well, you know, they didn't want to pay for an instrument rental. So they said, tough, you're not playing, you know, you're not playing the trumpet. They'd, uh, in fact, at, at I think at like uh, third grade, maybe they'd purchased a piano for the house, which is not a small investment. You know, we're not a rich family. And uh, my mom was kind of like, you're stuck, man, unless you can find something inexpensive, you know, we're not paying for the rental. So I went to the band director and I said, what do you have that's cheap? And she looked at me and she said, I can loan you a pair of drumsticks until you can afford to buy your own. And that's how I started playing the drums. And then I wound up getting a scholarship to, um, to high school and getting accepted into a, a very prestigious music education program in, um, in college, which I ultimately pivoted out of, I know that's a bad word, into uh, psychology and philosophy. But fast forward to a year or so outside uh, after graduation, I got a call from my friend, the same friend who we lived in the home with the power cord snaking through, plugging in all the uh, appliances. Who also learned resilience in their life. And Right. And she said, um, she said, my friend's dad is opening a piano bar in Philly and I thought you might like to check it out. And at this point, I didn't know of any piano bars. I'd never uh, been to one, I don't think. So I said, yeah, actually, that's a lie. I had played at the bar at Times Square. So, all right, yeah, so a little back up, so I just clarify that. So um, when I got back into college, I realized that chicks really dig dudes who play the piano and sing. So I started doing that a lot more and playing the drums a lot less. Um, <laughs> and it worked. So I stuck with it, and I, I, I started to make a um, kind of a thing of playing pop songs. And so, you know, got out of college. My friend calls. We go to the piano bar. After a couple cocktails, the dad invites me up to play and uh, offers me a job after I got done. Really? Yep. So I started there doing Wednesday happy hours. It was a solo piano bar. Then when I moved to Toronto in 2009, um, there was a solo piano bar up there that I played at. I played at some in, in Montreal. I was traveling a bit. I played at um, played down in Colombia in in uh, in South America, and. Um, and then uh, when I moved back to the States, when I moved back to Philly, there was no solo piano bar in town anymore, but there was a dueling bar. So I went and I, uh, I knew some of the guys who were playing there from, from the solo bar. It was kind of the same crew. Like, it's funny how few dueling piano players there really are sure. uh, around the country. And um, got the job, was terrible initially. Um, I'm still not the best dueling piano player in the world. Um, Tell me how it's different. So most folks think that the duel is between the piano players, that you're trying to outdo each other or trying to, you know, they think of the Donald Duck and Bugs Bunny uh, sure. dueling piano thing, right? Or is it Daffy Duck? Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny. Yeah. I'm I don't with know you. Which. Yeah. <laughs> so it's two fictional characters. Um, so so uh, uh, most people think of that. But in truth, the duel is really between the audience uh, members. So it's 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 simply a way to goose tips. I know that I'm probably like telling an industry you know secret. Maybe they're gonna the the, the dueling piano um, 
association uh, intel intelligentsia or they're, yeah they're they're they're, they're going to come after we'll me will be blackballed but it's it's basically if if uh you know if if there's a big group in so like the army navy game was great right so so there'd be an army you know song that we'd play uh, and then a Navy guy would come up and, and pay, you know, 10 bucks to stop the song. And so then we would start doing, you know, the, the Navy song and the Army guy would come up and pay 15 bucks to get the Army song going again. And, and on and on and on it goes until, you know, we've played one song for like $200. And so that's kind of how the whole dueling process works. But the, the challenge is a lot of times you'll have audiences that want to screw with you. Right. So they'll like, like, uh, you know, oh, can you play Fetty Wap? Now, a disclaimer here. And this is... Um, my personal preference dueling pianos is two pianos three players that rotate right maybe even more players but it's it's pianos it's not electric bass and trumpets and drums and you know a lot of these bars are now kind of basically just glorified house bands that just happen to have two piano players featured prominently that's not dueling pianos so the challenge becomes when you've got an audience that wants to screw with you and you're not a house band fetty wap is a tough you know act to uh, uh, play Kanye West is, you know, and you get these crazy requests. Um, So the real skill in being a dueling pianist is understanding and being able to handle those requests in unique ways, using the piano as a percussive instrument. I need it is a percussive instrument, but banging on it um, to make drum sounds versus piano sounds. Uh, the accoutrement, the flair of the show, getting people up and involved and engaged. And so in many ways that contributes to me being a killer um, act to hire for an organization because my whole background is engaging audiences. It's yeah. not just a, um, uh, 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 what do you call that, a sage on the stage? It's actually right. someone that, that, that gets the crowd involved in yeah. the performance itself. So what else can I tell you? What other secrets can I reveal? Do you want to tell you how all the magic tricks are done? I don't know, I've but if I could. I've never experienced you know. it, so I think that's partially. But what you said was like, yeah, it's about the, it's about the two of you playing on the audience Mm -hmm. because that's where the money comes and it takes it back to like that street mba like there is you know there there are ways to do things and then there's like when you can learn the the truth of instead of just like taking something head on you just you find the way to give it the little twist the little turn and I'm looking at this bottle here. It's like, instead of just reading like bubbly, it's like bubbly. And then you turn it around. You're like, Oh, that's actually what's in it. And if I know Mm -hmm. what's in it, then I can make it. And if I can make it, then I can, you know, then I can win. Then I can accomplish. If I can see what it is, I can work backwards from it. And I mean, just like kudos, I feel like you've, you've found a way to do that in so many areas of life. And it is interesting because you know, having served as a, as a server in a restaurant for, for 10 years, um, half those in fine dining, it's, it's like, I also, that, that skill of, you know, not nearly to the extent of, uh, of playing the piano and having to work crowds, but it's like, you've got to work emotions and read mm-hmm. people's eyes. And it's like, do you lean in? Do you step back? Do you move on? Are they loving it? Do you go deeper? Like you just, it's so easy to throw out those situations. I, how did you say it earlier? Uh, It doesn't, it's okay. Um, But it's like, you, you know, I say it, don't get through it, get from it. And it's like, there's so many life experiences where people just try and. Yeah. Don't get through it. Give to it. Maybe Jim Rohn said that. Who knows? At this point, who knows? Um, yeah, it's 
and, and there's so much value that you can get along the way, but I think people throw aside the experience that they're having in pursuit of maybe the next one and miss the true value, the true truth of, of the experience that they could be having right now and how it will equip them for what's next. Yeah, I had a, um, a really cool experience with a group that I was a part of where we did a mindful eating exercise. And so the way it worked was this. We took five food items. Um, one of them was an avocado. One of them was an olive, like a, like a, a black olive, Kalamata olive. Um, maybe I think one was a piece of cheese. Uh, one might have been like a piece of steak, something else. And <clears throat> each person got two of each item on their plate. And so what they had to do is this. The first one, I forget which order we did it in. I think the first one, so they were blindfolded the whole time. Okay. The first, yeah, the, all right, so this is how it worked, yeah. So the first one, they were blindfolded. And they had to pick up the item and hold it in their hand for five seconds and notice it. Then... They were allowed to play, and you could smell it. You could, you know, do anything but taste it. Then they had to put it in their mouth, and before they could start chewing, they had to hold it on their tongue for five seconds. And then they had to chew at least five chews before they could swallow it. And then before we moved on to the next step, they took a couple of seconds, and they, you know, collected their thoughts. And so then... They were told to remove their blindfold and write down some of their thoughts, and then you could see what the piece of food was. You know, did you know what piece of food it was when you picked it up? Could you tell? What did it taste like? What did it feel like? What was it like on your tongue before you started chewing? Did it make you salivate more or less? Uh, did it feel uncomfortable on your tongue? What did it feel like chewing it? Was five times too many? Was it? And what was interesting was that we did this, again, with small bite-sized pieces of food. Josh, at the end of that experience... I said, now guys, do you, you know, we can order pizza, we can order Chinese before we carry on with the rest of this, you know, meeting. Most people said, I'm surprisingly good. Like, I don't really feel the need to eat. And the reason that I bring up that story is because just think about comfort eating, the way that we move through meals. Most of the time we're done our plate before we even notice what the hell it was we just tasted. That experience extrapolates into all other areas of our life. Sex, nights out with friends a drink at the bar. Some people throw it down before they even tasted it. I was one of those people in college. You know, we are moving um, too fast through life. And I don't believe we are giving enough to life. That's good. Because of that. Wow. And it just misses, you just, you miss these you're a father. You must, you must know somewhat yeah. of what I'm talking about, wanting to slow those experiences down with your kids. I was 14 when my sister was born, and it was one of the greatest blessings I never knew would have existed because with my sister, I was able to learn the lesson that so many have to learn with their kids. That time flies so fast. And so with my, with my kids, I'm, I'm able to do a much better job of, of staying a little bit more grounded or focused and, and build and just enjoy the relationship along the way and not crave the next step so badly. Oh, this is good. Uh, I don't want it to end, but today it must. Greg, again. 
Thank you so very much. What's the best way for people to reach out and connect with you? Yeah, man. Thanks for asking that. So I'm on two platforms more than others. I am on YouTube and I am on LinkedIn. And if you simply search Gregory Offner, you will stumble upon me on both platforms. Well, we will link it up. My friend, such a pleasure to have this conversation with you to go deeper and discover some real truths. Thank you again so much for coming on. It has been a pleasure. Thanks, Josh.